Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from Grace Anglican Church of Grove City, Pennsylvania. Our goal in every sermon is to proclaim the bold truth of the Word of God, especially the undiluted grace of Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, check out our website at graceanglicanonline.com. Well, as Ethan mentioned before the service, though it is only November, today is the last day of the church calendar year, and I suppose uh, some measure of Happy New Year's Day is in order, but next Sunday the church year begins afresh as we enter Advent. But over the past 100 years, it has been the custom of many churches to close out the church year by celebrating the universal and eternal kingship of Jesus. And so we find ourselves on the feast of Christ the King. I wonder what image comes to your mind when you think of kingship. Perhaps you think of a throne, a royal robe, a scepter, a crown. All of these images could be rightly associated with Jesus' kingship. Yet there is one image linked to kingship more than any other in all the scriptures. To see this image, you need to exchange the scepter for a long wooden staff, the royal robe for a brown rough cloak, and the throne for a pair of weathered sandals trotting over dusty ground. Now what do you see? Yeah, I heard it a few. A shepherd. The image that is tied to kingship from very early on in the Bible to the very end is that of a shepherd. You know, sheep are mentioned in the scriptures over 400 times, usually associated with people. And the word shepherd well over 100 times, often associated with God. The Old Testament's two most prominent leaders, Moses and David, both rose from tending sheep to leading Israel, exchanging one flock for another. It's perhaps not surprising then that Jesus should use this metaphor of shepherding for his own description of what it is to reign as king. And so what I'd like to do on this Christ the King Sunday is to link the eternal, everlasting declaration of Jesus as king to his statement, I am the good shepherd. Now, firstly, a shepherd, of course, is in charge of sheep. Very often in the scriptures, we as people are likened to sheep, like it or not. We find a prime example of this in Ezekiel 34 as it opens, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. He's, of course, talking about people. We tend to have rather, though, romanticized notions of sheep, don't we? Fluffy, serene, gentle, obedient creatures, epitomized by that well-worn childhood nursery rhyme, Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. And yet, despite the sweet sanitary ideas of sheep we might have in our head, the reality of shepherding is much grittier. 
mean, if you really want to get a good idea about sheep, go to the Living Treasures Animal Park, go to the sheep pen with a, with a handful of food, and, and just see what, I mean, it, just see what happens. It's, it's utter chaos, just nasty. Those who work with these animals are, are prone to say two things about them. They are particularly vulnerable, even as they are singularly unintelligent. <laughs> First, sheep are particularly vulnerable livestock, susceptible to disease, injuries, pests, and parasites. And their vulnerability also makes them totally dependent upon the shepherd for their provision of their needs to lead them to pastures to graze, guide them to adequate water supplies, provide proper shelter, general tending, pretty much all of it needs to be provided if the flock's going to survive. And we also need to note that uh, sheep are particularly defenseless against predators. I mean, if you think about the animal, there's not a whole lot in the toolbox if they're, they're attacked, is there? I mean, there's just not. Uh, there are cases when well over a hundred sheep have been killed in a single night by just a pair of feral dogs. It's no wonder that a hungry bear or lion or wolf would see a shepherdless flock of sheep the way an offensive lineman looks at the buffet line. You know, I mean, it's a virtual golden corral. But not only are sheep particularly vulnerable, they are also singularly unintelligent amongst the domesticated livestock. Uh, this shows itself when they are particularly prone to wandering away and getting themselves lost. In fact, it's said that sheep often can't even find their pen even when it's in sight. They, they lack foresight and, and would prefer to eat grass all the way to the root rather than moving to greener pastures. And finally, they are known to be easily startled and will spook at the slightest provocation, running off for who knows where. So again, we see that they are utterly dependent upon the shepherd to keep them from wandering, to regather them when they do scatter, and to lead the flock to adequate grazing grounds. So when you consider all this, the comparison of people to a particularly vulnerable and prone to trouble animal might not seem the most flattering of metaphors. Yet it does convey something of our condition, doesn't it? After all, are we not particularly vulnerable to those old predators of sin, the devil, death, and evil? So easily falling victim to those things that would undo us. And are we not too prone to wandering and straying from the paths of righteousness? Isaiah said it well, all we like sheep have gone astray each one to his own way. Oh, we might, be, we might prefer to be compared to the regal lion or the noble steed, but the dependent needy sheep is the one we're most often given. But lest you think I'm being too, too hard on our woolly friends, there are some good traits as well. Most notably, in spite of and perhaps because of their weaknesses, it should be noted that sheep are capable of developing very close connections with their shepherds. They have the remarkable ability to recognize their shepherds' distinctive voices and call even amongst the other voices, and, and they can learn to follow his voice alone. In fact, it's said in the Middle East when all the sheep 
from the entire village might be thrown into one big cluster to sleep at night. The shepherd then comes, issues his call in the morning, and his flock know his voice and follows him as he leads them out. And those same sheep will learn to recognize and look to the shepherd whenever they're ill at ease and so as to find assurance and rest. The flock under the care of the good shepherd will follow, flourish, find great peace, and no growth. But under a poor shepherd, well, that's when the vulnerability and the singularly unintelligence makes its way out. It's precisely the situation that the shepherds in Ezekiel's day were creating far from good. Rather than protecting, nurturing, and wisely leading, the indictment the Lord offers against these shepherds is they have become predators. Ezekiel 34 opens with these words. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. And the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth. With none to search for or seek for them. See, in the days of Ezekiel, the wickedness of the shepherds who did not follow God, they had led the sheep astray. The people had wandered into idolatry, wickedness. And so in God's judgment, He led them to a time of exile when the Babylonians came in, destroyed Jerusalem, tore the temple to the ground, and took tens of thousands of Israelites captive to Babylon. And so it was, the sheep were scattered. The sheep who posed as shepherds simply used their position to prey on those for their own good. And the Lord castigates the great leadership void in Israel. Let's fast forward to our own day. How often is it the case that those who rise to positions in power do not do so to nurture and care for their flock? but rather to feed upon them. And more than a few leaders down through the ages have started well, but become intoxicated with the authority and the love of power. It was the historian Henry Adams who described power as a sort of tumor that ends by killing the victim's sympathies. Which is to say, you, they, there's a, a, a tumor that grows from within that causes one to forget 
that he or she is a sheep also. I was not long ago reading an article that pointed to scientific studies showing that, there, that those who are in positions of power for long periods of time where they are rarely, if ever challenged, undergrow changes in brain structure. Which is to say there's a neurological basis to what is known as the power paradox. Once we have power, we lose some of the capacities needed to gain it in the first place. Once we have power, we lose some of the abilities and capacities needed to gain it in the first place. And we who are in positions of power, and some of us are in positions of authority and power, would do well to remember this. And, and very often, a healthy dose of humility is needed so that we too remember that we are sheep. I guess that's uh, enough of that aside, and perhaps that's more for me than anyone else who can notice that own, own tendency within, within myself. But the perennial cry, back to this, There is the perennial cry for leaders who can faithfully lead us to green pastures, cool waters, safekeeping, and peace. And this cry is at least as old as the days of Elijah. And the Lord's answer to our great need for a good shepherd, though, is found also at the end of Ezekiel 34. He says two things that provide one solution. First, God says that He Himself will be the shepherd. A true shepherd who will search for His sheep, rescue them, feed them, protect them, heal them, strengthen them, and grant them rest. But then curiously, He also says that He will set up over them one shepherd, His servant David, who shall feed them and be their shepherd. Well, what is it? Will God be their shepherd, or will David be their shepherd? <laughs> and, and by this point, uh, David's been dead for several hundred years. So what in the world's going on with this prophecy? Will God be their shepherd, or will David be their shepherd? I saw Ben Jaffone over there going, yes. Yes, he's right, yes. The answer that fulfills both conditions is, of course, Jesus. The very eternal Son of God who takes on human flesh, being born of the line of David through his mother Mary, and he arrives on the scene and he says, I am the good shepherd. He is the answer that the Father promised. And in him we find the leader, the king, who faithfully shepherds his people. And no sense of power-mongering or being consumed by it. I've been reading Dorothy Sayers, a man, to be, a man born to be king. And she beautifully portrays Jesus' humility, and yet he wields great power, but only on behalf of others and to the glory of his Father. He's the only one who can have the authority without being consumed by it, you see. And that is not, not what we see in the Gospels as he comes feeding his people both physically and spiritually, 
providing water for thirsty souls, seeking after those who have wandered from God, healing the broken, restoring the sin-sick and the sorrow-worn, bringing into the fold aimless wanderers, protecting the most vulnerable, rescuing those in danger, and rebuking those who are preying on others. But it's probably no surprise for you to hear that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise of a good shepherd who would tend the flock. Yet there is, of course, a twist in Jesus as the good shepherd. And the twist is that the one who came to rule and lead his people in righteousness and paths of eternal life, this great shepherd of the sheep became a lamb. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John describes a remarkable vision of heaven. And as the curtain is unveiled and John is given a glimpse of eternity, he sees a throne that he describes upon which sits a lamb who's also a shepherd. A shepherd who's a lamb. What a beautiful image. But, but why? Why does the shepherd also become a lamb? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You may recall earlier how I stated just how vulnerable sheep were to predators. In fact, you may recall stories from David's own young life as a shepherd to his father Jesse's flocks. How on several occasions he's out in the wilderness and a, a bear or a lion came against the sheep. And the only th thing that stood between the beast and the feast was the shepherd boy David with a staff and a sling. Tim Keller makes the observation that sin is often described in the Scriptures as a predator hunting its prey. Crouching, stalking, seeking to devour us. But the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He puts himself between the enemy and the vulnerable. And so it is at the cross that Jesus, the eternal king, the true shepherd, becomes the sacrificial lamb. Taking our sin upon himself. So that our guilt, our shame, the eternal consequences of our sin are placed upon Him there at the cross and they are struck down, they are defeated, they are put to death. He lays down His life and the sheep are redeemed. But of course, death could not hold this one. And on the third day, he rose again. And he has ever since been about the work of finding, searching, and rescuing sheep. Many of us here have been placed upon his shoulder and brought gently home. Where he tends us, feeds us, leads us to streams of living water, protects us, guides us. Can you follow a shepherd like this? My friends, may you know this day that the good shepherd loves you. He's even died for you. And he calls you this day to trust in him and to learn to listen to his voice.
for He will shepherd you all the days of your life until you too are in that throne room that John saw. That place where there is no suffering, no hunger, no thirst, no scorching sun, no sickness, no death. Where upon the throne sits the Lamb who shepherds His people to streams of living water and God Himself wipes every tear from every eye. Not a bad reminder to ring in a new year. Let's pray. And so gracious Lord Jesus, good shepherd of the sheep, we thank you that you know us through and through. You know precisely what we need tonight. Whether it's forgiveness, refreshment, rest, we thank you that you are a good shepherd who loves us and laid down your life for us. Feed us, we pray, this night. In your name. Free at last, they took your life. They could not.